We worship you, Lord. Anybody thankful for the beautiful spirit of the Lord that's here tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you love him tonight? Amen. I love the Lord tonight. I'm so thankful for him. His mercy. He's been good to me. Has it been good to anybody else in this house? so glad tonight that he has it all in control. God has it all in control. So thankful for what the Lord did last evening. And I feel that we are in the perfect will of God. And I'm looking for the Lord to speak to us again tonight. And help us. I, I have felt very specific direction for all three services before even getting here, which is very uncommon. Um, and we're two for two because I'm actually going, or looks like I'm going to go in the direction tonight that I've felt to go tonight. And I did last night. And who knows what will happen tomorrow night, but the Lord is speaking to us, and I hope that we are, have ears to hear. It's such an awesome privilege to be here. As you're getting your Bibles, Hebrews chapter number 12, I give honor to the senior pastor and his wife. Appreciate Brother and Sister Phil. It's good to be with all the churches that are here and represented. So thankful for our dear friends, Brother and Sister Urshan, and their friendship. I um, a lot has transpired in the last five, four or five years, and um, I couldn't be any more thankful happy with where we're at right now. I was in a place, in a lonely place, and every time I would go to God about that lonely place, it was like he kept reassuring me that there was, I think, I think the story, the scripture says, 6,000 that have never bowed a knee to Baal. And God kept telling me that. And um, he's got it all in control. They have preached here for you guys, but we were talking about it today. In fact, my wife and I was talking about it a few days ago. Just in the last four or five years, God has connected Brother Urshan and I and Brother McKillop and Brother Andrus. And um, in some of these situations, nothing short of just completely miraculous. And um, I'm so thankful for it. And you know that your friends are real. And I'm not stroking Brother Urshan's ego. I mean this. 
you know when your friends are real when some of your favorite preachers in the world are your greatest friends. And I mean that, and that's the highest compliment that I could pay Brother Hershman, but I feel that. I feel that way about him and Brother McKillop and Brother Andrews, and I'm just so thankful for what the Lord has has put together, and I know you've been exposed to their ministries and love their ministries, and, and the church is in good hands. Hallelujah. Weep not. Weep not, Samuel. Get up and dry your eyes. There's a David generation that's going to thrive. I really feel very strong about that. Hebrews chapter number 12, without belaboring any longer. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter number 12. We're going to read just a little bit differently tonight, if you would indulge me for just a minute. Let's begin reading with verse number 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. And shall we not much rather be in subjection of the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened after their own pleasure. Notice, but he for our suffering. No, sir. But he for our agony and pain. No, but he for our, somebody say it with me, prophet. Oh, and what a beautiful phrase right here. That we might be partakers of his holiness. <laughs> now, let's go back and read verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin with which doth so easily beset us and let us run the patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God notice verse 3 for consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And then right back into where we started. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. For the sake of, I guess, 
tape ministry. I don't really have some fancy dancy title here tonight. I do have, I believe, something very, very, very revelatory that the Lord has given me for this service tonight to help us. But let's talk tonight for just a little while on this thought. God really does know what he's doing. God really does know what he's doing. Do you believe that? I feel your spirit right now. Well, duh. Well, there's a lot of us that need a, a fresh revelation and some confidence in that area. He really does. Because there's times that we look at things going on in our lives and, and we, don't, we may not say it, but we, are, we wrestle with these questions and these quandaries. Hello, somebody. And these seasons of fog and uncertainty and these problems and this crisis. And we wonder, what is God doing? God really does know what He's doing. All things work together. Do you believe that tonight? You're going to help the preacher preach for a little while. Right now, if you're thankful for his word, if you're thankful that you're full of the Holy Ghost, I want you just to set your Bibles down and give the Lord a rousing praise in this house. Would you do that? Come on, lift your voice, clap your hands, shout, do something for Jesus. Come on, let's praise him for a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Some of you are not loosened up yet. You need to get loosened up. Come on, loosen up. We got to loosen up a little bit. It's tight in here. I'm, I'm going to preach, but I'm not preaching until something loosens up a little bit. Let's go. Come on, let's get in his presence. If you're just coming in, we're glad you're here tonight. Let's plug into the presence of God. We praise you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Come on, everybody, bring your minds into this service. Bring your minds into this service right now. We bring into captivity every thought that would exalt itself against God. We cast down every vain imagination. Come on, somebody. We take authority over any spirit that would bind or distract. Come on. Or divert the attention of your people tonight. Let there be liberty in this house. I pray right now that there would be liberty. Come on, somebody. There needs to be liberty. We need, we need the revelator. We need illumination. We need... We need liberty in this house right now. Come on. I'm not just taking up time. Come on. There is an atmosphere that must be right for the word of the Lord to come forth. Hallelujah. Okay, everybody in unison, give him a Psalms 47. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout. Unto God with the voice of triumph. Come on. Do it like you're apostolic. 
Do it like you're saved. Do it like you're blessed. I want somebody to do it like God's been good to you. Oh, clap your hands, all your people, and shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing, participating in the moving of the Spirit of the Lord. You can be seated. There is a threaded theme in the chapters of 11 and 12 of Hebrews. There's many threaded themes. There's overarching themes. But there is a threaded theme that has become very apparent and meaningful to me in just the last several months. And so possibly I'll just preach to myself tonight and let you listen in. I'd like tonight to attempt to extract that thread. I would like to pull it from the text and bring it into perspective and look at it very closely and examine it tonight and see if it would not benefit us in our spiritual journey and our walk with the Lord. The first place that I would like to begin tonight is just simply with the admonishments in chapter 12, and most of us are pretty familiar with these particular chapters, but I want to start tonight by the admonishments to God's people about the chastening of the Lord. He is telling us here, the writer, whoever you may feel that it is, I feel pretty strongly it was probably the Apostle Paul. There are different schools of thoughts on that. That is really not tonight to be argued, but whoever the writer was, he's he is under the unction and the anointing. He is he's trying to tell his readers that the Lord chastens those that he loves. He deals with those that he loves. If we are indeed the sons of God, if we are indeed going to fulfill the authority and the position of of the son the sons of the kingdom there is a process of perfection there is a work that he is going to do in us his correct his correction his chastening 
He scourges those that He loves. God is not a torturer. God is not a torturer. He's a teacher. Everything that God allows to come in our lives comes with a purpose. I want somebody to understand me from the outset. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know the severity of it. But I know the Lord spoke to me. And I want you to understand that God does not have an off day. God does not sleep. God does never. He does not ever. He doesn't ever get caught by surprise. Now, this may be hard for your little finite mind to understand and get around, but I'm telling you, he is involved in the affairs of every breathing being that is in this house today. Well, you're going to make me work tonight, but I'm well rested, and so I feel like working for a little while. I I want you to understand that. There is nothing that comes into our life that does not first cross the desk of heaven. There is nothing that we face, there is nothing that we fight, regardless of the severity, regardless of the sting, regardless of how sharp the edge is. I don't care what they said. I don't care. I don't care what you lost. I don't care what walked away. I don't care what fell apart. I don't care what fell through. I don't care what you're fighting. There's a purpose in it. It is laced with purpose. Pain does not come to God's people without a purpose. Pain and persecution does not... God loves His people more. It's almost like in prayer that God wanted me to to relay to you that He is defensive in how the enemy has caused you to view Him through this situation. God does not allow pain to come to hurt us. God does not allow criticism and persecution to come to hurt us. God wants you to understand it's painful, but it's, it's, it's needful. It's painful, but there is a purpose in the pain this is part of the process of you becoming a partaker of my holiness hallelujah in the end in the end this is about you becoming less like you and more like me in the end this is about you reacting more like you would react come on less like you would react and react more like I would react in the end this is about you loving less like you used to love and loving more like I want you to love I want you to understand that situation that you're dealing with. It might have blindsided you, but it didn't blindside God. God wants you to know, I okayed it. I cleared it. And we need to understand something about the book of Job. It wasn't about the destruction of a man. It was about a man going from one dimension to a greater dimension. I want somebody to understand, this is about a greater anointing. This is about a deeper dimension dimension. This is about a bigger revival. This is about you becoming what God has always wanted you to be. If you believe that, clap your hands and shout. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. It did not catch God by surprise. It may have blindsided you, but I promise you, God lifted his hand and he let it come with all of his love. God have mercy. He said, preacher, please tell my people that it's, I sent it and it was painful, but I sent it with every bit of love that I could send it with. I sent it with every bit of purpose. Brother Marks, I can't see his fingerprints. When you can't see his fingerprints, you better trust his heart because he's for us. He's not, he doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to backslide. He doesn't want you to walk away from the Father's house. He wants you to be a son. He wants you to enjoy the benefits of sonship. He wants to have relationship with you. Somebody shout yes. Shout yes. Scourging is part of the process. Chastening is part of the process. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Not through the things that he thought that he deserved. Not through the seasons of greatness and prosperity. But he learned gentleness. And he learned about the nature of his father through the things that rubbed him the wrong direction. <laughs> and he is telling us, don't be discouraged. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be overcharged. Don't be surprised. This is not about him hurting you. This is about him dealing with you as sons. And I've watched this over the years. And I'm still very green and have a lot to learn, but... God will come. He, he will come to us all. He will attempt to deal with all of us as sons. Now, not everybody will respond to him. Not everybody will respond to him correctly as a son should respond to him. I've seen him scourge some people and they don't take the scourging and they leave. And they never become anything but a failure. They never become anything but a lost bastard. Are you hearing me right now? He comes to us all. He scourges and corrects us all. Whether we become like him. Whether we fulfill everything that he purposed us to be is dependent and contingent on how we respond to his chastening. Come on, is anybody hearing me right now. The differentiation, the differentiation between a bastard and a son is simply how we choose to respond to the correction. That's all that separates a bastard from a son. The same correction comes to a bastard that comes to a son. The same chastening comes to a bastard that comes to a son. Are you hearing me right now? The same attempt. God tries in the same measure. He deals with them the same way. But the difference between a bastard and a son of God is a son of God gets to the place that he understands this is part of the process of me becoming who he created me to be. I'm not going to resent you God I feel like preaching on Thursday night God I'm not going to resent you God I'm not going to hold a grudge against you God I'm not walking away from the church God I'm not going to rebel against authority God I'm not shutting a deaf ear to the pulpit I want to know is anybody
somebody made up in your mind, I'm here to stay. Come hell or high water. You're not going to gossip me out of here. You're not going to lie me out of here. You're not going to discourage me out of here. I'm a son. And it takes more than that to drive a son away. I'm not afraid to preach to you what's unnatural. Come on. Where there's no discipline, that's unnatural. I can't help the watered-down religious world that we're living in. I can't help what the family has become and what Hollywood has portrayed that it should be. I can't help all that. I'm telling you what is natural. And what is natural is correction. And what is natural is a son that comes back to the dad and gets his lap and says, Dad, I want to get it right. I want to do it right. That's natural. Packing a bag and running away from home's not natural. Five or ten minutes later, after the crying's over, what's natural is that seven-year-old boy that walks back in after I've just whipped his backside. Come on, I altered his end, trying to alter his end. And what is natural is when that boy, a few minutes later, comes back in there and says, Daddy, forgive me. I want to get it right. That's that's natural. Not backsliding. That's unnatural. You have to endure the chastening. Some people walk away. They don't endure the chastening. They don't stick around through the chastening long enough to see the end result. You endure the chastening. And so the chastening breaks them. And instead of enduring it long enough for him to heal them after he breaks them, they leave and they migrate to other people that were broken and didn't endure the chastening. They link up with other people who have bitterness and qualms. My God, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. And they link up with these people and birds of feather flock together and they walk around and suck their thumbs and they become bitter at the pulpit and bitter at the church and and they wear, they wear their brokenness on their sleeve. And they say, look what the Lord done to me. But it's the ones that stay at daddy's house and endure the discipline. That after a little while, oh, you're not hearing me right now. It's not look what the Lord done to me. But if you endure the chastening long enough, you're going to shout, look what the Lord done for me. I'm a better man. I'm a better husband. We're a better church. I've got a greater ministry. Was it that God dealt with one different than he dealt with another? He said, I won't put more on you can bear. It was one didn't stick around long enough to see the course of chastening run all the way through their lives. I've been through some hard things, but I came on through and I can say, look what the Lord's done for me. I've got a greater anointing. Come on. I've got a greater prayer life. My praise. 
I can tell I'm not going to get done tonight, but I'm, I'm not quitting just yet. Look how he's working through this. He's, strateg- he, he's strategizing. There's a thread. There's a theme here you've got to see. He goes back, or I went back rather purposely and read it this way. He's saying, lay aside every weight, seeing that you are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Boy, I feel like preaching right now. Who's he talking about? He's talking about all those Hebrew or those heroes from Hebrews chapter number 11. But he closes, he closes the chapter number 11 and the hall of faith of these heroes by talking about the things that they went through that made them who they were. He said, yeah, yeah, Gideon was great and yeah, Moses was great and yeah, Rahab was great. Woo! Yeah, these patriarchs and matriarchs were great. But let me tell you how they subdued kingdoms. Let me tell you how they became righteous. Let me tell you how they stopped the mouths of the lions. Let me tell you. Hallelujah. It was out of weakness they were made strong. They waxed great in fight. They didn't become valiant overnight. It was a process. He said, let me tell you something. Greatness doesn't come easy. Greatness comes by enduring the hardship. Greatness comes by enduring the hardship. Greatness comes by staying on the course of correction. He said, I'll tell you about them. I'll tell you about them. They lost children. I'll tell you about them. Yeah, they seen, they seen them raised, but they lost husbands and they lost wives. Yeah, they were great, but let me tell you about them. They were tortured. They were bound. Are you hearing me right now? They had trials of cruel mockerings and scourgings. Oh, you're not hearing me right now. Bonds and imprisonments. Yeah, they were great, but let me tell you about how they became great. They were chastened. They were corrected. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain by the sword. You're not hearing me. Yeah, they were great, but they wandered around like lost sheep. And then he blows through this in chapter 12. Boom! Seeing that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Lay aside every weight and sin. Let's get specific. I think he was talking, Brother Hershon, about some specific weights. He goes on, I believe, to describe the weights that he's driving at. Because right after he says laying aside these weights, he says to them, you have forgotten the exhortation that I have given you. He said, have you yet been to the place? Has your trial yet been so great that you sweat and perspire as it were great drops of blood? God, I pray. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, that's what he said here. Have you, has it gotten that bad yet? 
Come on, has, has your trial, has your correction, has, has your suffering got to the place yet? He said, but it was, the, it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured. Come on, I've come to preach to you that I believe those weights were the weights of self-pity. I believe the writer was saying, you got to quit feeling sorry for yourself. you got to quit feeling like you got it worse than somebody else. you got to quit comparing your trials and your sufferings. He said, come on, you hadn't had it as bad as Jesus yet. Come on, you hadn't had it as bad as Jesus yet. Lay aside the weight of worry. Lay aside the weight of self-pity because of your particular suffering. He said it's become a way to self-pity because you have forgotten the exhortation which I have given you that the Lord chasteneth those that he loves. You can't run the race and you won't finish the course because you're sucking your thumb about how bad you were mistreated. He said, consider. Look at the great cloud of witnesses. They got through it. But they didn't get through it sitting around feeling sorry for themselves because of the chastening that they were dealing with. They laid, they laid aside Every weight. Every weight. That's much better. You're awake now. Every weight. I'm telling you, it's a weight. Just like fornication will sidetrack you. Just like adultery will sidetrack you. Just like lying and cheating will sidetrack you. It'll side. It'll keep you from finishing. When you when you let the devil throw all that stuff in your face that you've been through, and you come in here and put your hands in your pocket and cross your arms and get a long face, it's a weight when you get depressed. It's a weight when you let your... Well, you don't know what I've been through, and you don't know what they said, and you don't know what I've faced, and you don't know the unfairness, and you don't know the un- inequality, and you don't know the accusations, and they've run my name through the mud. I'm telling you, it's not about your name. It's about your father's name. You need to quit worrying about your reputation and understand God's got a purpose in the pain. Quit pouting about the pain. Quit griping about the scourging. We're so bad about, we, we love, I've seen people that, that get on a steady diet. They come in here and, well, you just don't know what I've been through. There's no way for you to understand. You just don't know what I've faced. I'm going to tell you something. Whether you fall from 500 feet or 1,000 feet, you're still going to bleed out of your nose and ears and you're probably going to die. We need to quit coming in here comparing our trials and sufferings. We're all sons and daughters. Rather, we are all in the process of becoming true sons and daughters. We're all going to deal with scourging. We're all going to deal with chastening. 
We can preach all kinds of ways, uh, supposedly, of how to become holy. But I'm going to tell you, the only way he, that I have, look, look at it, it's there. He said you become partakers in His holiness when you become a partaker in the scourging of the Lord. That's the only way you're going to become like your Father is when you accept this discipline and you change. That's how you become holy. That okay? All right. That's just the appetite. Now let's get to the good stuff. There's a foundation. Get rid of the weights of self-pity. You've not yet perspired great drops as if it were blood. Get over it. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Lay aside the weights of sorrow and depression and self-pity. It's part of the process of becoming a son. About power. About God's purpose in my life. I have given myself, and not necessarily because I feel responsible to it, I just, I guess you could say it's an interest in the behavior and psychology of people. And I've watched people. I've got a hobby of people watching and people are interesting they're weird and strange and you're weird and strange too hallelujah and um regardless of years there there are consistent behavioral patterns regardless of times changing and traditions changing and the day changing, there are consistent consistent human behaviors that go all the way back to Adam and Eve. And we may not be living in caves and living like cavemen. I know a few that eat like cavemen, but <clears throat> I'm not going to name any names, but I'm feeling something real strong moving in this direction right now. Hallelujah. <clears throat> There is consistent behavioral patterns. What is amazing to me is God's love and commitment to man that he is willing to work within these dysfunctional, psychological, human behavior patterns. It, it's nothing short of amazing to me. That God so believes in his individual investment in each one of us, the things that he will put up with to help us become. He's, we see this pattern throughout the Bible that God realizes, okay, this is just the way that they're going to act and I'm going to have to work within the system of what they're giving me. Because this is consistent behavior from them. I mean, I'm going to have to take the way that they're acting and, and I'm going to work with what's, what they're giving me. I don't like what they're giving me, but it's the only way that I know to work with them. And I love them so much. I mean, how many times it drives me crazy, but how many times does Israel... It's One time I preached about the romance of redemption. It's a great message. I need to preach it again. But uh, how many times through Scripture, it's that pendulum that they, they live on that swings back and forth 
and how many times in their reprobate state that God will say, I'm going to do this, this, and this, that they may know that I'm God. What? They don't know you're God by now? They, they don't even deserve for you to do anything. And so I've taken a lot of time to look over this, and, and you're welcome. This is very accurate, but you're welcome to follow up, th- up on this. There is something the Lord's given me that I call the R cycle. We see this throughout the history of Israel. Stay with me. We're going to go somewhere here. I'm not going to be much longer. At the top of this cycle is, that's equilibrium, that's safety on top. That's our first R, that's rightness, that's right relationship, right standing with God. Unfortunately, man has an issue with staying on top. He has a tendency to lean. And and every one of us is a tendency to rebel. It's called flesh. Are you with me right now? So this is the way it works. There's right standing. Well, then humanity rebels. They move right of being right. As long as they're in right standing, there's rest. But when they rebel, they move off of center. And the downward spiral starts. This is a beautiful thing. Follow me. And so, rebellion, and here the downswing starts. So, after rebellion comes retribution. Now, the incredible thing about God is God does not punish just because there is sin. God punishes with purpose. God punishes. It's not just penal in nature. It's retribution. It is. He he punishes with a purpose that hopefully after I allow this to happen in their life, that the time frame between entering the downswing again will grow longer and longer. So I'm hoping somewhere in this downswing to let something happen, retribution, something bad's going to happen. I'm going to bring scourging. I'm going to bring correction. And hoping that when this thing takes full swing, because after retribution is repentance. That's the bottom side of it. That's why God rebukes. He's looking for repentance. Well, we know after repentance comes restoration and back of the upswing and right standing. Some of you got some good poker faces. You live. I am describing something that you've lived in. This is a pattern of human behavior, whether it's me, whether it's you. And God's plan through His correction and His retribution and His scourging, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost, is hopefully that it's severe enough and hopefully they learn enough in the downside that when they get back up to the top and there's rest, that there is a longer period of time before they step back into the cycle of rebellion. And He loves us so much that He is willing to work within this consistent pattern of dysfunctional behavior. 
said, I'm not, I'm not just sending pain because it's the law of sowing and reaping. It's laced with a purpose that something will click in their mind that when this makes full swing and they get back to the top, that it's longer this time before they lean in the wrong direction that it was last time. I want that space of time between them leaning and becoming rebellious. I want that space of time to get longer and longer and longer. Now here's the part that's astounding. The book of Judges covers a period of time between 250 and 350 years. Do you have your seatbelt on? They went through this cycle 12 times. They would would repent. He would restore them. They'd be back on top in right standing and rest. 12 times. God, why 12 times? He said, hopefully with each time. It's longer before they are so quick to lean in the direction of the lust of their flesh and the lust of their eyes. Twelve times. Retribution is where we get all of the stories about the ites. Ites of every kind. The steens, the ites. Philistines, Philistines, Amalekites. The list of ites that goes on and on and on that God would move the hedge of protection. And they would come and they would begin to persecute. They would begin to execute the blow of discipline. The blow of retribution. And God said, hopefully it'll click. Hopefully they'll wake up somewhere one day in the midst of this cycle and realize why they're suffering through this persecution. So tonight, in closing, Brother Urshan's going to help me. I want you to listen to me because this may, this may possibly be one of the most to me personally one of the most helpful things that the Lord's given me in a long time. We find Israel in a downward swing. This time he's going to use Babylon. There is going to be an exile. I am fixing to scatter you like flies. I am going, there's going to be a tearing and a ripping. You're fixing to go through something that you've never faced as a people. 70, somebody say 70. 70 years. Seventy years. You're going. 
It's going to happen. You're in that downward swing of the cycle. 70 years of retribution. I'm hoping in this 70 long years that something will click in your brain that after the closing of this 70 years and you reach back to the top that it's a long time before you start back down again. I'm doing this because I love you. So the process starts. Are you hearing me? Brother Hershon's fixing to read here in just a second, but let me give you just a little history. The exiles began, the scatterings began, the troubles began, the 70 years has began, the retributions began, the process of scourging has began, and all of a sudden these false prophets begin to rise up in Babylon. And they began to run through. In fact, I don't have time to deal with it. It's unbelievable when you study the history and uh, the, the writings of sages and their commentary upon this. There are, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. They've seen an opportunity to become wealthy. They've seen an opportunity to become popular. They've seen an opportunity to capitalize on people's weakness. God have mercy. They've seen an opportunity to capitalize on people's vulnerability. And these false prophets began to rise up. And they began to run throughout the camps and spread a false prophecy. This was their prophecy. It's not going to be 70 years. Just two. And I'm telling you right now, right up, straight up front, this kind of preaching is not going to make a conference preacher out of me. This kind of preaching is not going to probably make me very popular with you. But I'm telling you, it's the God's honest truth. There is a pressure. I have felt it. There is a pressure. You, are, you, you cannot convince me any otherwise. This pressure has affected the genre of our music. People don't want to go through anything anymore. People don't want to endure the chastening. It's affected our preaching. We have, it is sad. It's, 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 it, there is a pressure. People come to church. Everybody wants an escape. Our music's become escape. Everything's become about a breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. You're going to leave here tonight and some of you are going to shake your head and wonder, does Marx even believe, believe in the miraculous? I believe in the miraculous. Don't make me preface that. But I'm telling you, there is a pressure. There is a pressure in the pulpit. There is a pressure on our music departments. People are going through things. God purposely put them through things but there is a pressure there is a spirit that i am watching preachers succumb to and music departments to succumb to people want something to pull them out of their trouble and the fact of the matter is god's god's saying i don't necessarily want you bailed out of that i put you in that for a purpose it's going to last 70 years and it's not going to last one day short of it And if it's going to take 70 years for me to be a partaker of His holiness, if it's going to take 70 years to make me a son, I don't want a shortcut. I don't want a preacher preaching me out of it. I don't want a singer singing me out of it. I want to trust. I want to believe. I want to be faithful. And I want to endure the chastening. There's a pressure. People pray me out of this. Prophesy me out of this. Break me out of this. God woke Jeremiah up. He said, I got a word for you. You go down there. There's liars. There's false prophets. He said, they're capitalizing on the vulnerability of the people. I said it was going to be a 70-year process. They're trying to to create a shortcut. 
They're trying to capitalize on the vulnerability of the people. And there's false prophets running around telling them it's going to be over in two years. He said, I'm putting the word in your mouth. He said, I want you to go deliver it. <laughs> You're not ready for this. Jeremiah chapter 29. Brother Urshan, let's begin reading to these people at about verse number 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. This is his prophecy to the people. The God of Israel. The God of Israel. Unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem. Wait a minute. Read that again. Who caused it? Whom I have caused. Who caused it? I. God caused it. He said, I got a word to the people that have been carried away from Jerusalem, and I want you to know the devil didn't do it. The Babylonians didn't do it. I let it happen. I caused it. He said, you want somebody to blame for this? Don't blame your husband. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your preacher. Quit blaming your boss. Quit blaming the economy. I caused it. I let it happen. Read. I caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Yes, sir. Build ye houses. Now watch this. And dwell in them. I want you to build houses. I want you to dwell in them. My God, I feel like preaching right now. Closing. Read, read. And plant gardens. I want you to plant gardens. And, read. And eat the fruit of them. Eat the fruit of the gardens. Read. Take ye wives. Take wives. Beget sons and daughters. Beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons. Take wives for your sons. And give your daughters to husbands. And give your daughters to husbands. That they may bear sons. That they may bear sons. Why, brother Urshan? That ye may be increased. Why? That ye may be. That ye may there. be increased there. And not diminished. And do not diminished. Let me tell you in other words what God was telling them. It's going to be seventy long years of retribution. It's going to be a seventy-year trial. You're not going to shortcut it. If you're going to be a son, if you're going to be my people, it's not going to be a day less than 70 years. You're going to go through the worst trial and the worst hell of your life. But let me give you an admonishment right now. When you face it, I don't want you to lay over and die. I don't want you to sit there until it blows over. He said, I want you to do something in the middle of the trial. I want you to be productive in the pain. I want you to be busy. The word of the Lord to them was, yes, it's a trial. Yes, it's a spanking. Yes, it's 70 years of chastening. But don't lay down and die. I want you to be a worshiper in the midst of the trouble. I want you to pray in the midst of the trouble. I want you to teach a Bible study in the midst of the trouble. If you wait 70 years to do something, there's not going to be anything when it's over. I want you to multiply. I want you to grow. I want you to to be productive in the midst of this problem. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Totally contrary to our natural reaction of dealing with trials. We're going to lay down till it blows over. We're going to suck on our thumbs until he breaks it out of it. Till he breaks us out of it. We're going to sit in a corner and feel sorry for ourselves until it's over. No. Pick up those chains on your feet in the midnight hour and begin to pray and sing. What are you doing, Paul and Silas? I'm being 
productive in the prison. I'm being productive in the pain. I'm being successful in the scourging. He said, just because I put you in the trial of your life doesn't mean that intimacy stops. It's vain for a man to wake up early, go to bed late, eating the bread of sorrows. Because if you're not still making time for intimacy... There's no offspring. There's no generations to come. He said, and for 70 years, you sit around here and you don't do anything but feel sorry for yourself. He said, when it's over, you're going to be diminished and there's not going to be anything left. He said, I want you to go work your hands down to the blisters. You build a house. I want you to act like you're in the greatest time of your life. You build a garden. Get out there. Quit sitting over in the corner. Suck on you. I don't deserve this. I don't know why God put me in this. I don't know why God allowed all this. I don't know why God. I've done this and I've done that. And I've been faithful. And I had not missed church on Sunday morning in 25 years. And I pay, I pay my tithes. I always, I always roll it over to a higher number. I give five percent offering we go down this whole list of why god shouldn't scourge us and he's saying i want you to quit griping and mumbling and complaining and fussing and cussing i want you to get up out of your corner it may last 70 years but i want it to be 70 years that you work your fingers to the bone don't lay down and die Life doesn't stop just because the Lord begins to scourge us. No crops that grow on the mountain. Crops don't grow on the the apex of the mountaintops. Don't dig wells on top of mountains. The crops grow in the valley. I want you to understand it's hard for our little minds to get around this because I understand what's been built up in our little Pentecostal culture that just because we're Pentecostal that we are exempt from suffering. Hello? This is a battle. Boy, this is popular. Look at them, brother. Get the offering plates. They're ready to, they're ready to give Brother Marks a, an offering right now. They're flashing $100 bills. I'm telling them right now they may be in this 69 more years. They, they, I've become their favorite preacher right now. No, but I'm saying, quit looking for a shortcut. Quit putting pressure on... Somebody preach me out of this. Somebody pray me out of this. No. Give me the grace to go through this. 
There's going to be some days. There's going to be some days. That's why you got to stay busy. And he said, but I got a word for you. The thing I read said this is one of the, the top five used verses in Christianity. And you didn't even realize what it had to do with. And I'm going to start it. And some of you could quote it when I start it. But it's right here in this text. You just didn't know where it belonged. Read 7. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. Read. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive, <laughs> deceive you, neither hearken to the dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. I have not sent these charlatans who come with these breakthrough messages when it's something I want you to go through and I didn't want to ever break you out of it. I didn't send them. Brother Marks, you don't believe in breakthroughs? Yeah, I believe in breakthroughs. But more than I believe in breakthroughs, I believe in the enduring of the process of chastening because the enduring of the process of changing will do more for you than a breakthrough will ever do for you. Read. For thus saith the Lord. Here's your word. Read. After 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, <laughs> I will visit you. I'm coming. It's going to be 70 long years, and I expect you to work through that 70 years. But when I get done, I'm coming to you. Read. And perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Oh, watch. Here it is. Are you ready? Here it is. Here's that verse. Read. For I know the thoughts that I I you. know the thoughts. I love Read. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Thoughts of peace. And not of evil. And not of evil. To give you an expected end. To give you an expected end. Oh. And they take that verse and they pull it out of there. And they throw it and they paint it up on stuff and they throw it up on signs. And nobody even knows what it has to do with. He's saying, as you're trudging through the 70 years of becoming a son, on the dark days, <laughs> understand that I know my thoughts towards you. And they're thoughts of good. But God, it's 70 years. There's still good thoughts. Because this is about not the 70 years. This is about your expected end. Don't let the devil convince you that I'm a torturer and even a taskmaster. I don't know how long you've been in it. 
I'm not here to preach you out of it. I'm here to preach you through it. But I want to tell somebody, regardless of how long you've been in it and regardless of the severity of the storm, his thoughts towards you are not evil thoughts. God planned it all. And whether it lasts six more months or 12 more months, or it lasts three more years, or what? What if? What if, Brother Urshan? What if? What if you find yourself laying on a cold, hard ground? Pulling your rope tight, trying to some way keep out the cold. Rats crawling across your feet. You're not being fed right, not being watered right, living in the deepest part of the dungeon. Somewhere in the process of all this, somebody comes to see you. And you look at the visitors and they say, Will you go ask the one in control? I'm fixing to get in somebody's business right now. Will you go ask the one that's in control if he's coming? Or do I look for another? That was old John. Jesus said, you go back and tell him that I'm healing the blind. (laughs) I'm healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, preaching the gospel. In other words, I'm God. You're John. Let me be God. You be John. He's saying, I've got power. My power's not weakened. If I wanted to come bail you out, I could come bail you out. He said, but here's John's word. Blessed. Is he who's not offended in me? Do you know that word there, offended? Comes from a Greek word that literally, and for you to understand it, on a deeper level, it literally means stumbling blocks. Blessed is he who's not offended. Offense in your life that is undealt with is a stumbling block. It's, a, it's an open door for enticement. Enticement into all kinds of stuff. That's why we can't stay offended at one another. That's why we can't stay offended at the preacher. And that's one reason we can't stay offended at God for the things that He allows to come into our lives. And He said, you go tell John, happy is the man who can trust me Under all circumstances. You know, he never bailed him out of that jail. They carried him out of there. Well, they carried his head out of there in a basket. We'll look at them running the aisles. Son, they're climbing the they're 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 climbing the pews and biting the ceiling tiles right now. I know somebody's just waiting for me to give you the chance just to whoa. 
but it's, it's the truth. He's saying, what if I so choose to leave you? Paul asked three times for the thornest flesh to be removed. But God kept turning a deaf ear to it. It's almost like he's saying, that's your 70 years, and I want you to build a house there, and I want you to plant a garden, and I want you to have kids. I don't want to hear. And finally, Paul got it on the right track, and he, he writes on later. You know what he said. Most rather will I. And he goes down that list, all glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of God may rest upon me. Brace yourself. I mean, I'm really come with a word of encouragement tonight. Some things, if we are going to be the powerful force that God has destined us to be on the earth, there are some things that He's allowed into your life that may never leave. And the question... Have I lost my audience tonight or are you just listening? Question, the question is, can you still have revival if that doesn't leave? Do you have a hallelujah anyhow? Some people, some people said, well, I'll be productive when it's over. And they'll never be productive because it may never be over. Oh, I believe in forgiveness, and I, I believe in forgiving and releasing people. But I'm going to tell you something. There's some things that's happened to some of you in the past that the memories of it, the residue of the memories of those things will never go away. And you say, well, I'll do something for God if I can just get over what so-and-so did to me, and I'll do something for God if I can just... The fact of the matter is it happened, and you can forgive, and you can release, and whatever happened. But the fact of the matter is some of this stuff you'll live with the rest of your life. And he's saying... It's 70 years. But just because it's 70 years, don't roll over and die. Do something. It's a warning because he understands human tendency. And human tendency is when pressure comes to buckle. You know where the blessing is? The blessings when you're bruised, busted, and broken, and bloody. <laughs> and you're still busy. Did you hear what I just said? And I'm not trying to play on B words. I'm just telling you. The blessing is when you're bruised, broken, bloodied, and you're still busy. Well, I'm half dead. No, it's what, it's, it's what you focus on. If you're half dead, you're still half alive. What are you going to gonna do? You're going to gripe about what's dead? Or are you going to use what's half alive? Okay, God. 
I don't know how well this has gone over. Lord Jesus, I've been obedient. I know what you told me to preach tonight. And I'm just guessing that I'm just believing, Lord, that the look I'm seeing in these pe people's faces is like a deer in the headlights. I believe they're getting this, God. I just believe that there's a groaning and, a, and an old me. Help us to understand this. Help something to happen in us in this upward swing. That when this is over, if God so chooses for it to have an expected end, that it's a lot longer before we lean again. Let this burn something out of me. Let something die in me. God, instead of looking for a way out, help me to look in me and find out what it is in me that's not like you. Why am I here? Not how do I get out of here, but why am I here? It's not by accident. I'm not trying to be redundant. This has all been planned and designed by God. And I've gone a solid hour and I don't regret one minute of it. Not one minute of it. In fact, I've gone a solid hour and ten minutes. I'm not calling everybody down here tonight. I want to know, I'm looking for the ones that are serious. But say, I'm through trying to look for an escape. And I'm going to get busy and look for his purpose in this. And I'm going to build a house and plant a garden and I'm going to have kids. I'm going to have revival. I'm going to do something for God. If this ends, good. If it doesn't end, it's not going to stop me from being productive. Get rid of your pathetic excuses. Well, I got about three nods there and a yes. Get rid of your pathetic excuses. Your excuses of why you're ineffective are pathetic. You better hope to God that people in the you don't have to see you better hope to God that people in this church that the letter of their last name's a long way from the first letter of your last name because you hope you better hope to God you don't have to stand next to judgment some people in this church who never quit shouting. Come on. Who never quit being faithful, who never quit giving, who never quit We used to hurt ourselves, and Dad said, Get up. He said, I've had worse on my lip and never quit whistling. Lay aside the way to self-pity. Understand God's in this. This is about me being a son. This is about me getting back to the top and finding rest and living in that rest of right standing. The Holy Ghost has put His finger on you and your situation. I'm not calling everybody down here tonight. You say the Holy Ghost has put His finger on me and the Word of God's called me out. I want you to step out of your pew and come down here and stand right now.
trying to make a man of God out of you. He's trying to make a saint out of you. I'm reminded of that old song, Still I Will Trust You. Still I Will Follow. Still I Will Listen. Come on. I don't want you to hang your head in defeat. I want you to lift your head to the heavens. Put your hands with it. Let your voice join it. Say, God, I'm not going to live defeated. I'm not living in despondency. I'm not living in depression. I'm not going to walk around like a martyr. I refuse to be offended at you. I refuse to be offended at the offender or the offense. You allowed it. It crossed your desk. You had me in mind. You had my betterment in mind. You had my expected end in mind. Come on, somebody. His thoughts towards you are not evil thoughts. They're good thoughts. This is about you becoming a partaker in His holiness. This is about you becoming like your father. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. It's too quiet. If you're going to get this, if you're going to do this, if you're... I want you to raise your hands and voices. I want you to lift your voices. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to, I'm going to be a soul winner. Come on. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to quit using pathetic excuses.